You're listening to The Reconditioned Podcast, empowering you to take responsibility for your own well-being. And on today's episode, I speak with best-selling author John Gordon all about the power of positive thought. So stay tuned. Your personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Welcome to the Reconditioned Podcast, where I use my knowledge and expertise of over a decade in the wellness and transformation world to take a deep dive into what makes us thrive as humans. I'm Lauren Vacneen, leading wellness and transformation coach, and following my remission from the rheumatoid arthritis I'd had for 27 years that left me wheelchair-bound by the age of 18, I created a unique coaching combination, conflating physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of self to create true, long-lasting well-being in all senses of the word. This podcast is one of the many free resources I've created to help you achieve the same. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, you're an entrepreneur wanting to step into your purpose, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable and tangible ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. This episode of Reconditioned is sponsored by Urban Veda, one of the only skincare brands I've personally found that is genuinely natural and cruelty-free, yet still smells and feels as luxurious as conventional brands, which is something I always found hard to find. Formulated with Ayurvedic principles, there is something for every skin type. Head to urbanveda.com and enter the code LAUREN15 at checkout for a 15% discount across the range. Welcome everyone. Thank you so much for being here. As you know, because I say it every week, I am so grateful for every single one of you that presses play. It means the world to me. There are so many podcasts to choose from and the fact that you choose this one, I'm truly, truly filled with gratitude. And that segues very nicely into today's topic. I speak with best-selling author, John Gordon, whose books have had quite a profound impact on mine and my husband's lives and hearing him on other podcasts as well, because it's all about positive thought and how that can impact our lives and change our lives. And indeed his books and kind of his outlook and his his very simple lessons on positive thinking are so impactful. And we speak about kind of the simplicity of it and that, you know, these lessons in life don't have to be from this complex place. Health, well-being, it doesn't have to come from a complex place. It's quite simple, really, you know, to be healthy, to be in a state of well-being, in a state of homeostasis. You keep your body healthy by eating the right things, moving your body, drinking clean water, getting in some dirt every so often, and just keeping yourself in a state of wellness and mentally doing the same thing. You know, we nourish our bodies with the right food and the right water and, and with the right environment to keep it healthy. And yet, do we see the same importance in nourishing our souls and our minds to achieve the same? Because you can have the best diet in the world, be following the best nutrition plan, but if you're not nourishing your mind and your soul in equal measure, then you're not going to be in a state of well-being, in a state of homeostasis, because homeostasis, well-being, 
holistic approach means holistic, the whole person. You can only be in a state of complete well-being if the whole you is in a state of well-being. And in order to do that, we need to come from a place of positivity. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, like John says in the episode, this isn't Pollyanna. It's a state of being able to create your own environment and not be dictated to by external forces of what is going on around you. What's going on around us should not be controlling how we feel. We should be able to keep a sense of positivity and optimism, at least even if not positivity, because I think there is some nuance in that between those two words, positivity and optimism. We can be optimistic that things can change and that the way we think about them and our perceptions can impact that change. And John and I don't go through this because this isn't his work, but from a manifestation point of view as well, as I always talk about, we can't be in a state where we're manifesting things to us when we are in a low vibrational state, which means that we are thinking about negative things all the time and we're not expecting that we're going to get the things we want or we don't feel like we're in a place of high self-worth or deservingness to, to receive those things, those things aren't going to come because, you know, and we know this through quantum physics, we are a magnet for what we put out, what we put out will come back. So positive thought is so important in so many ways. And so this episode with John was really, really enlightening in so many ways. And he's just a fun guy to talk to. You know, I love like the whole Jewish Italian thing. He goes, yeah, I grew up lots of wine, lots of whining. Love that. (laughs) And there are so many little tidbits of information in there, like those little one-liners that can change your life. Because I know they've done that for me when I've listened to podcasts of people saying certain things and I will take that one thing and I will write it down and I will go, oh, that, okay, that, yeah. And there are so many things like that in this episode. There's little snippets that he offers that you can just take that one line and implement it into your life and it's gonna help profoundly. So I'm not gonna go on anymore. I'm going to play the episode for you so you can take away all this amazing information that's hopefully going to impact your life. And as usual, if you enjoy it, if it benefits you, if there was something that was profound for you in any way, please share the episode. Please let me know on Instagram how you feel about it. Share with your friends and family and go ahead and press the follow or subscribe button right now because I love it when you do that. So thank you. And here is John. John Gordon is a husband, father, and best-selling author. His books and talks have inspired readers and audiences around the world. His principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams, school districts, hospitals, and nonprofits. He's the author of 18 books and five children's books, including 10 bestsellers. The Energy Bus and The Power of Positive Leadership are personal favorites. John and his tips have been featured in some of the top news outlets in the world. His clients include the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Falcons, Dell, Southwest Airlines, LA Clippers, and so many more. John's training and consulting company are passionate about developing positive leaders, organizations, and teams. So John, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. Oh, you're so welcome. I um, I've been excited about this for a while because my husband and I are big fans of your books and all your work, really. So it's that means uh, a lot. Thank you. That means a lot. You're so welcome. So the first thing I always like to ask guests, uh, just to kick it off, is what have you done so far today to support your wellness? What have I done today? Well, I got up and I took a little walk, and I always start the morning with a thank you walk. The research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So if you're feeling grateful, you won't be stressed. I've done this 
almost every day for the past 15 years. And it has changed my life starting each day with a walk of gratitude. Wow. I love that. I have heard you speak about that before. And it's almost like you're just taking a simple daily thing and then reframing it into something yeah. positive. Yeah, we, we all walk, right? And we practice gratitude. Hopefully we can and we do. The word gratitude comes from the Latin word gratis, which means free. And so when you're practicing gratitude, you're freeing your mind and your heart from the circumstances of the world. You're letting go of the negativity and you're allowing happiness and joy to flow through you. And I have found that abundance flows into your life when gratitude flows out of your heart. So each day, the walk plus the gratitude, it creates a fertile mind that's ready for great things to happen. Think about that. You do this and you're flooding your brain and body with these positive emotions that uplift you rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain you and over time slowly kill you. So by doing this every day, you're feeding yourself with the positive, you're weeding the negative, and you're creating a healthier mind, a healthier body, and also a healthier perspective on, on life. It's just such a great and simple way to start the day off positively. So thank you for taking us through that. The next thing I like to ask is just to take us back through your upbringing and your background. It always kind of gives context to what you do now. And I'd love to hear about how that impacted what you do now. Well, I remember elementary school, Mrs. Omak or Mrs. Leota, the way they gave me a lot of warmth and love and smiles in elementary school and the kindness they had. I also remember the way they moved me around the room though, because I talked too much. And so I think that was setting me up for a, a career of, of speaking. And it's funny, that's what I do now, right? So I grew up in Long Island, New York, in a Jewish Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of wine, a lot of whining. <laughs> Not always the most positive family. I wasn't the most positive person, but a very loving family. I played a lot of sports growing up. We were very active in football and baseball and all that good stuff. Basketball. I always competed in the backyard with my brother and friends in the street. We played football. So it was a good upbringing. I went to a, a nice school, a nice middle-class area and it was a great childhood, I would say. You know, I had a biological father that left when I was a year old. And so my mom remarried when I was five. And so she married my dad, who was who was a New York City police officer. And he uh, pretty much raised us as his own. And he was a great dad, a very loving dad and, and, and just a great man. And so that was a huge part of my life growing up. And then as I get older, I played more sports. I played high school sports. I went to Cornell University. I played lacrosse at Cornell. That was a great experience. It was a division one program and we were very competitive in the country. And so that was a lot of fun going to play all these top teams around the country. I learned about culture. I learned about teamwork. I made friends for a life there. And so it was, you know, in many ways, it was a great upbringing. Wonderful. So how did it kind of feed into what you do today? And, and obviously what you do is very much about positivity. And what you've said is that it wasn't always the most positive home life in terms of the narrative. So tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's ironic that this is my life's work because... I am not naturally positive. I had to work really hard at being positive. And I struggled with negativity when I was in my late 20s, especially when I was 31 years old. My wife had had enough of my negativity. She said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. Like, you need to change. And I had to change. And that began this journey of, of working to become a more positive person. She was going to leave me if I didn't. And 
she should have left because I was a jerk. I was self-absorbed. I was not a great husband. It was all about me. I was just trying to become successful at the expense of spending time with my family. And so I was really messed up in a lot of ways. And I was crumbling from the inside out. Fear, pressure, stress, being a young dad, having to provide for my family. And I didn't handle it well. And so I had to learn to be a better person but that's what led me to work to do the work i do i started to research ways i could be more positive it was during the emerging field of positive psychology so this was just getting started way back when all the research and i started to practice some of these ideas and then i started to share them with others and that led me to now my life's work so i would say being negative led me to become a teacher of positivity but that's how i know it's real because for me I've learned that being positive doesn't just make you better. It makes everyone around you better. I've learned that you can rewire your brain from negative to positive. And that's what I've done. And when people hear me speak at big events and so forth, they understand that it's real. Like this is not Pollyanna positive. This is not about seeing the world through rose colored glasses. This is knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. This is not about ignoring reality. It's about maintaining optimism, belief, and faith in order to create a better reality. And so it's very real. It's rooted in, in real optimism, real belief, and also real experiences that have found that if you're negative, you're not going to create your best life. But when you're positive, you give yourself a chance and an opportunity to create your best life. And that's what it's all about. So do you think that those steps, you could see them as negative things, as in your dad being negative and your wife giving you an ultimatum ultimately led you to finding the positive. So there is a positive in kind of every bad situation, I guess, or every rock bottom. Totally. We look at things and we say, you know, that's negative. And yeah, it may be negative at the time, but often they present great opportunities. I always say every challenge is an opportunity to learn, to grow, to improve, to get better. It's all how you see it. It's your perspective. How we see the world determines the world that we see. And so, yes, these things were challenges. They were catalysts for change. And I did have to change. And if I didn't change, it probably would have stayed negative. But because I responded in a positive way, I was able to turn the negative into a positive. So we all have events that happen to us. E plus P equals O. We can't control the events in our life, but we can control our positive response. That so often determines the outcome. And that's the key. So perspective, our response determines the outcome of our life. Yeah. And I love that. You know, it's all how you look at it. Don't look all how you see it. The experiences happen, but you got to embrace all of it. Everything makes you who you are today. You can't go backwards. You can't change the past, but you can use the lessons to create your future. I love that. So do you think that the perspective changed the outcome for your dad who had this kind of negative outlook? What, what ended up happening for him then? Did things carry on on kind of a negative path? Oh yeah. He eventually, you know, passed away a, a few years ago, unfortunately. And, but when he did, he had become more positive with, with me, but he was still negative with a lot of other people, but he had <laughs> learned, he had learned to become more positive around me. And he saw that how I changed. And I remember he said, I've learned to never doubt you because he told me when I wanted to be a writer and speaker, he said, what the heck do you want to do that for? That's a load of junk. That won't amount to anything. He used other words. Right. And so his, his limited perspective, his view of the world was something that was different than mine. He had a very fixed mindset. I had a growth mindset of what was possible. And so he learned not to doubt me. 
I learned how to deal with this negativity to overcome it. It was a great teacher for me growing up with a dad like that, because now when I deal with negative people, I'm like, oh, I know you, you're like my dad. So I know how to deal with all these negative people and I don't judge them. I don't hate them. I know that they're people on a, on a path, on a journey. So I try to encourage them. Because I've heard you say before, he, he was a New York City cop, right? So he, he was, was yep. seeing presumably quite, you know, horrific stuff. He saw all the negative in the world. He saw all the fighting. He saw the crime. He was battling for survival every day. He was shot a few times. So he did have a very negative slant of the world. And again, that was his perspective. Right. So, yeah. So my question from that then is how do you, you know, from your perspective and, and being kind of an expert in this field now, how do you live in that world as someone working in undercover narcotics or whatever it is in a world that seems you know, where you only see the crap and still come home at the end of the day and be able to have a positive outlook. Because you believe you can change it. You believe that you can improve it. You believe that you can, in the midst of it, still create a positive outcome. You have optimism and belief that you are greater than your circumstances. You are more courageous than your fears. You and your purpose is greater than ultimately your challenges. So if I'm a police officer, yes, I'm fighting crimes, I'm trying to save lives. And so my focus is on saving lives. Who can I help today? Who can I save today? The difference I can make today. Yes, this is bad. Yes, this crime is bad. Yes, what happened is bad. But how can I, how can I turn this around? How can I create something positive out of this? How can, be, how can I be a change maker? Ultimately, it comes down to the carrot, the egg, and the coffee bean. The carrot, when you put it into hot water, gets softened, it gets weakened. The egg, when you put it into hot water, gets hardened, like a hard-boiled egg. The coffee bean, when put into hot water, transforms the water into coffee. It transforms the environment. Mm -hmm. And so the egg gets bitter, angry, hardened. That's us when we allow our circumstance to affect us in a negative way. Police officers so often can be in environments like that. Anyone can. If you're working for a company that's really negative, you can become like that. You allow your circumstance, your environment to harden you. If they don't care about me, I'm not going to care. Or you learn not to trust people. And so you just don't trust anyone and you don't love people and you don't care. So that's not good. The carrot gets weakened, anxious, fear, stressed, nervous all the time. And it allows you to, it causes you to crumble. It causes you to, to really go down a spiral staircase of despair and depression. And you don't want that either. That coffee bean says, okay, this environment is something I'm going to transform. I'm going to impact. And we see people all the time who grow up in difficult situations, in difficult neighborhoods. They rise above. They somehow, some way make it out and become amazing successes. Neurosurgeons and scientists and doctors and teachers and, and leaders and business CEOs, you name it. Like we see people that come from the worst circumstances and transform their environment. They show us that it's possible they show us the power that everyone has to do it. Mm, presumably that's where the title for the coffee bean came from. Yes. Well, <laughs> the title came from this analogy. And then also Damon West, my co-author, learned this lesson when he was in prison, actually. And so he was in prison for seven years and he had ruined his life by becoming addicted to meth and he was burglarizing homes and was sentenced to 65 years in prison. Wow. He got out in seven because of good behavior. And because he met a man, Mr. Jackson, who taught him the lesson of the carrot, the egg and the coffee bean while he was getting ready to go to the big jail. 
And while he was waiting to go there, he said, hey, do not allow this place to harden your heart. Do not allow this place to make you like them. You've got to overcome it. And he taught him the lesson. Damon was convinced to transform his environment. He did, gets out in seven years, and now he's a speaker, writer, making a huge impact, and he's being useful, very humble, repentant, you know, for his past and, you know, wishes he can go apologize to his, you know, his, his victims that he burglarized because, but he's not allowed to, because uh, Texas law says you cannot have any relationship with your victims, but he has used all of that bad and turned it into so much good. And now he's impacting thousands and thousands of lives. He has a prison ministry. He goes into prisons. He encourages people there. He has a program where he's helping kids to overcome. I mean, it's just a really great example of redemption and restoration and, and, and using your bad and turn it into good. So he's the one who taught me the coffee bean lesson. We decided to do this book together. And that's why the coffee bean is now so popular. It's amazing how many people are reading it all over. Yeah. And it just shows you, doesn't it? Like you said about people who come from, you know, bad neighborhoods, it's always wondering, well, why can some people then get out of it and some people can't? And and like you say, it's your perception and it's the how you want to deal with the situation. Yeah, it's your state of mind. You know, think about it, it's your state of mind. People go to war and some come back with PTSD and others don't. They've experienced perhaps the same thing, but some are if uh, affected by it in a really deep and dark and bad way. Others are able to overcome it and somehow, some way, you know, rise above. What's the difference? Well, it's our state of mind and ultimately how we see the world. One day you're in traffic and it's bad and it really bothers you. Another day you're in traffic and it's bad, but it doesn't bother you. Is it the traffic that's bothering you? No, because it would have to be the same response every time. It has to be 100% mm. for it to be truth. And so it's never the traffic. It's never the circumstance. It's not the event, even war. It's always our state of mind and how we respond and how we see and feel and process what we're dealing with and the experiences we have. Mm. I love the analogy of the coffee bean, but you have some great other great analogies and metaphors. So tell us a bit about the positive dog. The positive dog is a great one. It's about a man who goes to the village to speak to the wise man. And he says to the wise man, I feel like there are two dogs inside me. One dog is this positive, optimistic, and energetic dog. And then I have this mean-spirited, angry, negative dog. And they fight all the time. I don't know who's going to win. And the wise man thinks for a moment and says, I know who's going to win. The one you feed the most. So feed the positive dog. And every day we have that choice to feed the positive or the negative inside of us. And whichever one we feed, that's what grows. And I think about that all the time with gratitude, feeding yourself each day in order to feed others. Because if you don't have it, you can't share it. So you have to make sure you're feeding yourself every day in order to be a positive influence on others. Best advice I ever heard, you might've heard me talk about this, Dr. James Gills, the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. It's a double Ironman, which means you do an Ironman, a day later you do another one, and the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. And he was asked how he did it. He said this, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Oh, wow. He said, if I listen, I owe the fear, the negativity, the doubt, all the reasons why I can't finish this race. But if I talk to myself, I can feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. 
when I'm speaking to my audiences, I always say, who here needs to talk to themselves more instead of listen? Everyone always raises their hand. If they don't raise their hand, they just don't feel like raising their hand. We all need to talk to ourselves more. Such a it's so powerful, isn't it? All of these kind of little, and that's I think why your books are so successful and so well received because they're these fables and they're just it's just so you put it in such a simple way to understand that anyone can implement. It's simple, like you just said, simple is powerful. And then mm -hmm. also you can implement it. We think it has to be complicated for it to work, but actually simple is powerful and powerful leads to focus action. Powerful leads to actions that you can take on a daily basis. And so if you're not going to act on it, it's not going to help. But if you can do something each day and have consistency and it's a simple action, you're going to see great results from that. So it's not the complicated, it's actually the simple, powerful that really works. Also remember, clarity is what leads to focus action. The more clarity we have, the more we know what actions to take. Once we take those actions, we see great results. So the key is to have more clarity and simple ideas with, with powerful truths lead to that clarity and focus actions. And so people have said, you know, they you're like, John, you have like this genius in writing so simply, but the truth is, I don't think I'm a genius. I just, I think simply. I think I just really <laughs> process things in a simple way. Like I remove all the clutter and I, I just see it as such, as, as something that's very simple and powerful. Let's get rid of everything else that gets in the way and focus on that. And I think it works. So let's go back to those kind of actual practical tools. How did you implement them when trying to turn your marriage around? What were the practical tools there? Well, that's what you see behind me as relationship grit. So my wife yes. and I wrote a, my wife and I wrote that book and we wrote it before the pandemic, having no idea that so many couples were going to be isolated and quarantined together where you really are testing your marriage when you have to be that. And so a few months into quarantine, I asked my wife on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like to be married to me? And she, and she said, pre-COVID or now? <laughs> because we were around all the time. And so we were, having used, we were having to use the principles in the book for our own marriage during that time. And simple is powerful, right? It's about making sure you communicate, making sure you connect with each other, developing that bond of trust. Connection leads to commitment. So the more connected you are, the more committed you will be. So let's connect in order to commit. And that commitment develops a stronger relationship. Commitment is about we before me, you before me. I'm going to serve and sacrifice, sacrifice for you. You want me to do this even though I don't feel like it? All right, I'm going to do it. It's not about competing, right? We're not going to compete against each other. It's about complementing. When you both keep score, right? Or if you keep score, you both lose, so it's not about competing and keeping score. It's about how do we both win in the relationship? Again, simple things. What can we do each day to communicate better, to connect more, to show that we're committed to each other and to show that we care? It's, it ultimately comes down to care. And so you, you implement those four C's and you're going to see your relationship improve dramatically. Mm. And, and we have an action plan. By the way, we have an action plan that people can use to implement that. It's a free action plan. You get the book, you do the action plan. And it really does strengthen your relationship. We've had several people email us already that they were going to get divorced and they are wow. now, they are now staying together. And it is wow. like the best feeling in the world to get those emails. Like they're like, we were ready to divorce. One guy just sent me a picture of his family with his wife and they are on vacation. He's like, this wouldn't have happened six months ago. We read your book and now we're on vacation as a family and we are happier than ever. Like that's everything. Wow. That's amazing. 
Yeah, best feeling in the world. Because I wonder what people, you know, the person listening who listened to you at the beginning saying, you know, you've got young kids and you're working hard and life is stressful, you know. So for that person listening right now who is going through that time and they're thinking, that's great, you know, chase away the positive dog, but how do I get myself out of this stump to actually do that? So if you're in a cycle of, of negativity, it's a rut, you're complaining a lot, you got to break the habit. Like, don't complain. Instead, try to focus on solutions. Every day you get up, you have a choice. You can rise and shine or rise and whine. And we want to rise and shine. It sounds corny, but it's true. Like, am I going to rise and whine or rise and shine? What am I going to do today to improve my outlook and attitude? And I know it's hard when you're depressed. It's hard when you're down. And by the way, I have dealt with depression. I have been miserable in my life. I have been someone who said like, oh, they have success, but I can't, right? Like, oh, it's, it's easy for them. And what I realized was when I changed my mindset, when I changed my attitude, I changed my life. I started to feed myself every day. I started to take that walk of gratitude. And then I started to say positive things each day. I wrote about these in The Carpenter. If someone wants to implement this plan, read The Carpenter and you will see a difference. Try it for 30 days, right? I expect great things to happen. I trust in a greater plan for my life. Every day in every way, I'm getting stronger and better. Like start to say things, speak it into existence. There's a power of, of thought. There's a power to our words and what we see and what we say. So speak it, live it, share it you'll start to see an impact. And that's what happened to me. Like I literally had to rewire my brain. I didn't expect great things. I didn't trust. And sure enough, I didn't receive. What happens is I'm convinced that we don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we deserve success. We have the imposter syndrome. So what happens is, right? We get these ideas. We get these impulses to do things. But then we say, oh, I couldn't do that. Or that can't happen. That's not possible. And we cut off the flow of the abundance and positive energy that is meant for our life. I do believe God, the creator of the universe, universe means one song. Songs are created. They don't happen by accident. I believe there's a creator of the universe and that that creator has a plan for your life. And I believe that if you get these ideas and impulses for that reason, because you're meant to live it, but you cut, off, cut it off, you say it's not possible. So you either A, don't believe that it's possible for God, or you don't believe it's possible for you. The key is to trust that it's possible that God has a plan and trust that if it's meant to be and you, you'll take actions and it will create it. So you take the action, you trust, you believe, and then see what happens. And so when you do that, what happens is you open the door of positivity, you open the door of abundance, you open the door of, of the destiny that is meant for you and you allow this to flow through you. And next thing you know, you start to change the circumstances and the events of your life. Now you'll be tested when this happens. So then you'll face adversity, you'll face setbacks. And when that happens, you'll go, oh, I knew it wasn't for real. I knew this couldn't happen. No, the test is just to let you know, like it's, or is it real? It's testing you. Is it real? Will you overcome? Will you have what it takes? Will you keep believing, right? And that's the key. So you pass the test and then you'll start to see amazing things. That has been my journey. That is what I wrote about in the seed, energy bus, many of these characters, Carpenter, they have to go through this life-changing moment where they have to overcome. But I've also seen it in so many lives as well. And so many people I've talked to, everyone faces resistance. And so often your greatest resistance comes before 
your greatest victory. Mm-hmm. And once you overcome the resistance, once you overcome that big battle, then you find amazing success like you've never experienced. And it's a result of staying the course. Grit is so powerful. That's why grit is the number one predictor and factor of success. It's grit. We just keep going. And because we don't give up, we eventually experience what we want and what we're meant to achieve. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that with myself, you know, going into remission and then having like these years of feeling well and being amazing and and then relapsing. And then that is a big test. And that's like, well, can I stay positive? And can I get through this with that same mindset that I adopted when I was healthy, when I was feeling good? And like you said, you're not naturally a positive person. It doesn't, you have to work at it. I'm the same. It's not, I'm not this naturally kind of rainbows and unicorns person. I have to work at it every day. So that was a real test. And it still is every day, to be honest, a test of, uh, you know, your own character and how, how strong you can be in something that you believe is going to help you. Well, people, people who are going through what you're going through, that's who I admire the most because you're facing it in real life, it's easy to talk about it, but when you are experiencing it and dealing with it and you're facing a crisis, a challenge, a family member who's going through a difficult time, it really tests who you are and what you believe. You know, a crisis will test who you are, what you value and what you believe. And it lets you know during that time what you need to improve upon and how you need to grow. And so people who go through the adversity like this, you know, are my heroes in so many ways. We'll be back to the episode really soon, but first, a quick word from our sponsors, Block Blue Light. So as a busy mum and entrepreneur, there are days where I have to work into the evening, and this means being at my screen way longer than I'd prefer. So a while back, I invested in a pair of blue light blocking glasses. Now, if you've never heard of blue light blocking, let me give you a quick rundown. Natural blue light from the sun boosts our mood and alertness, but technology has meant that we're now exposed to so much artificial blue light from screens, devices, and all modern lighting, and it's really affecting our health. Artificial blue light disrupts our sleep, interferes with our hormones, and causes digital eye strain, which can lead to long-term eye health issues. Now, I've been wearing my blue light blocking glasses for a while, but it was in the second lockdown when I was homeschooling that I decided to get a pair for my five-year-old to protect him from the amount of screen time that was required for his learning. And he now wears them anytime he's at a screen and if he's watching TV after dark. We got them from Block Blue Light, who are the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products. I chose them above some of the other brands because they're dedicated to delivering the world's most optimal and science-backed blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions like light bulbs. Some benefits you might notice instantly are improved sleep, less headaches, less migraines if you suffer from them, less eye strain, and a genuine boost in your well-being as your body adjusts back to its natural circadian rhythms. And let me tell you, since wearing these glasses, it's the first time in his whole five years that my son has slept past 7am. And my most recent revelation with Block Blue Light has been their fit over glasses. Because I wear glasses for TV and computer and was finding it hard to wear both. But the fit over glasses are designed to slip right over your normal glasses without any heaviness or strain. So you get the best of both worlds. 
So to check out all of Block Blue Light's incredible health-boosting products, including day and nighttime glasses, blue light blocking light bulbs, and 100% light blocking sleep masks to help you into a deeper sleep, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code LAUREN10 for a 10% discount. That's blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code LAUREN10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. And it's so true, it's just the little changes because I know with my husband and um, where he listened to you and read a few of your books and and, and he made those small changes because he was very much in that that place of, oh, my kids are young and I don't sleep enough and I don't get enough time to myself and all this kind of like, you know, negative inner narrative that just keeps feeding the reptile, as you call it, you know. And, um, and it's just those small little details of waking up and going, well, I'm awake, so that's great <laughs> to start, you know, and I'm just going to be positive and I'm not going to focus on the negative. I'm going to focus on the positive. What I want to know is how did it manifest uh, in practical terms in, in like in your marriage? How was this? How quickly did it happen? And what was your wife seeing? And what was kind of the real turnaround moment of, OK, I'm not going to leave you? She saw me change. She saw right away that my heart started to change. I was working at it. I was being more selfless, more giving. She saw me become someone who had, who had trust, who had faith. She saw me change in a lot of ways and the actions spoke loudest and helping out more with the kids. And so I really just made an effort to be a better person, a better father, a better husband. And she saw that like within a few months. I mean, the change wasn't complete in terms of embodiment, right? I was like, I was still a recovering jerk, but <laughs> I was getting better. And I had my moments of relapses, right? But overall, I was getting better. And now, now I'm someone like a relapse is once a year, maybe, or twice a year instead of like once a day, you know? So it, you know, you're really, I'm still working at it. I'm still becoming a better version of myself. I still want to get better. I still don't want to let certain things bother me like they do, right? I, I always, you know, want to be loving and, peaceful and calm in every moment where nothing phases you. And that's just not. No, I, I should, it's possible. It's possible, but it's, it's, it's not possible right now without working at it more. So mm. you just got to continually work at it and you hope to get to a place where you can be like that. Maybe, you know, then at that point you're like a, a monk or a saint, right? Where nothing bothers you, yeah. but, but it's also human, right? We are human. We are meant to have ebbs and flows of thought, of, of, of pain, of suffering, of joy. You know, it really is human to experience all those different emotions. And that's part of the human experience. And some days I always say it's okay to not be okay. Like if you are having a bad day, it's okay. When you got the news about, you know, about your, about it coming back, you probably were having a pretty bad day and that is okay. You got to experience that. But then the next thing is, okay, what now? What are we going to do as we move forward? What's going to give me the best chance of, of beating this, of winning, of overcoming? And then you start to put that into practice. And so to me, it's feel the pain, stay in the game. Mm -hmm. Don't escape. Don't jump ship. Stay in the game. Keep going. Believe with optimism and faith. And then expect the best. And you, you may not get it. Being positive is not going to guarantee you succeed. But here's what I know. Being negative will guarantee you won't. 
Mm, that's a great one that's a great one yeah <laughs> I mean I just had this moment today when you're talking about all these kind of relapses because I have we have this issue with our son he's five and he just he's got this issue with food and he doesn't like food and he and every mealtime is a battle and it has been since he was one and it's just it gets to me so much because he's not getting enough nutrition right so sometimes I deal with it okay and sometimes not and today I lost it I just lost it and even though I want to stay positive and I want to stay calm and do the whole conscious parenting thing so I was like I, I just I, you know today the thing you liked yesterday you don't like again and here we are out of the house with a picnic and you're not going to eat and you're telling me you're hungry I don't want to know you know and in those yeah. moments I kind of get angry with myself because I'm like what did it achieve by losing it it's true. I, I'll be at a park and I'll see a, a mom with their kids and she just is losing it or the dad and they're like, what are you doing? Ah! And they're like screaming at the kid, like they're holding them tight. Like, what are you doing? And from the outside, you're like, why are they losing it? Like what, like from a different perspective, you're like, that is not necessary. But when I was in that moment, I was losing it. Right. Like, yeah. cause you get caught up in the moment, you get caught up in the clutter, you get caught up in, in, in the circumstance of that moment, you're outside in instead of inside out. And so you're looking at the outside, not the inside to the soul, to the spirit, to the heart, right? So I've been there. We've all been there. And I have an 18, I mean, I'm sorry, a 20 year old and a 22 year old. Mm -hmm. And so it never ends. You're still going to have those kind of moments, even when they're older and they don't make good decisions and they're not doing what's good for their life and their future. And you worry about them. It never ends. So I, I've learned you just you just grow with the uncertainty. You grow with the the obstacles and the adversity, and you continue to find your way forward. Positive leaders find a way forward. Mm, that's why my husband and I both love the the power of positive leadership. But coming to that, actually, because it's 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 interesting for me. I always think about people like you that go into these massive Fortune five hundred companies or you know big football teams. On a practical level, how are you coaching these guys? Like, what things are you are you doing with them to get them to 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 implement this in their life to create these amazing, successful results? Same things we're talking about right now. We talk about culture. What makes a great culture? We talk about vision and purpose. Where are you going, and why you're going there? We talk about grit. We talk about positive leadership. Pessimists don't change the world. Believing in your season, believing in each other, believing in what's possible. We talk about ways to stay positive through challenges they lose perspective they lose sight of their vision and goals we talk about that we talk about how to come together as a team to be a strong team what makes a great team principles and practices that's what the power of a positive team is all about right behind me you'll see the book stick together that just came out and that's a book about sticking together as a team and these are the core principles of sticking together and becoming a great team so really always trying to share information with others to help them become stronger individually better leaders or better teams. And a lot of times the, the athletes, the professional athletes will come up to me afterwards and say, I needed that, you know, thanks for that. Or I love the talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. I'm going to use that for now on, mm -hmm. man, I needed that shift in perspective. I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm going to work on being consistent and not being moody. So it's all of the dysfunctions that we feel as human beings and what we go through that we need to heal. We need to look at and grow from. And so I bring those to light, but I deal with it at the culture level, at the leadership level, at the team level, at the individual level. And a lot of times you'll have sports psychologists who work at the individual level. You'll have some culture people. 
I'm able to work at it at every level and see the big picture as, as well as the complex challenges. I can walk into a team and see who's not connected. I can tell you if your culture is not good. I can tell you individually, you know, what you need to do to get better individually. So I'm able to, to see the whole big picture and also the individual at that level. And, and I don't take credit for it. It's just, the, it's just, the, that's the gift I've been giving. And that's why I'm able to work with all these teams and create a lot of success because I work at all those different levels with a team. So John, my question for you is how do you do all that and write so many books? <laughs> you know, when the ideas come, you just know that you're meant to write. So the more you're open, the more it flows, right? So once I changed my mindset, as I said earlier, once I became more positive, I started taking these walks of, of gratitude and prayer. And when I would do that, the ideas would just come. And as the ideas came, I would sit down and start writing. And so every year I write a book or two, it used to be just one. Now it's been two a year, sometimes mm -hmm. three. And I write a book in about three and a half weeks. Four is the longest, four Wow. Weeks. So I get the idea, I get the vision, I start writing. And it just flows through me. I am seeing so many different things with all the organizations I'm working with. I'm learning from so many great leaders and so many organizations, seeing what works, what doesn't. And as I'm doing that, I'm recognizing patterns, getting ideas, and then I'll write that into the book and it becomes a part of what I know I'm meant to teach. Like I go, when I learn something, I'm like, oh, I'm meant to teach that and share that going forward. And I start to share that as part of my work. So what would you say to the person who's listening right now, whose biggest excuse is, but I don't have enough time? You have enough time to do what matters most. You just have to be intentional about what matters most. You have enough time. For me, when I wanted to write, I would get up real early before the kids would get up and for my wife and I would start writing. Then they would get up and I would still start to still try to write. And it was like chaos. Good luck. I yeah. Never, I never went on writer's retreats. I never had the opportunity or the luxury of going on these amazing uh writing safaris or locations or you name it to just be able to, Oh, I'm going to go write my book for a couple of months. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote through the chaos of raising children and a chaotic life. But I think that comes through in the writing and that it's, it's very real. Yeah. And so for me, you know, being able to, to now write a little more in peace is, is nice. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's still the same. I get up, I have to focus on doing it. Everything else is vying for my attention. Distractions of the enemy are greatness. And I make sure I don't allow those distractions to keep me from what matters most. C.S. Lewis said, when, when you do first things first, second things expand, increase. So do the priorities first and other things will expand in your life as a result of that. I really love that you've just spoken about being, you know, kind of doing it amongst the chaos because see, most of my audience are mums. Um, you know, kind of young-ish mums, um, some men as well. But, you know, young mums raising young families, there isn't much time. Um, and what I love about what you've just said is it gives a lot of uh, motivation to write. You know, I know there are going to be people listening to this now going, I've, I've put that off. I want to do that. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to find time. I'm going to find a way to make that happen. You know, because you do hear about these authors who just go on these, you know, oh, I, I took a year in the south of France in a little chalet to write this book. Well, I don't have that option. <laughs> I do want to say, though, the fact that this is for, for young moms, I do want to say that it is harder for them. Thinking about my wife mm -hmm. and how much she had to serve and sacrifice early on, 
she was the hero. She was that the one that kept our marriage intact and kept us strong. Mm -hmm. She deserves all the credit in the world. For those moms, there's a season for everything. Yeah. And so I would say right now is a season where you are going to be with your kids. You are going to be focusing on them. And maybe now is not the time to write in this season. Maybe now is the time to take notes mm -hmm. and to journal and gather your thoughts and ideas while you're in the chaos of raising kids. But knowing that there'll be a time for you to write, there'll be a time for you to invest in that. But yet it's more difficult when you're a mom and you are the one raising the kids and getting up and so forth. I do believe also the man needs to be involved and needs to be helping and in, in, in everything, right? That's where I got better at, where initially I was not the supportive one. And that's something I regret, but I became someone who was supportive. And as the kids got older, I was more and more and more involved and investing more. And my wife now is having the time of her life, right? It's a season yeah. for everything. She's, she's reaping all of the rewards, you know, all the rewards of all the sacrifice and commitment she made. And I always say, you mm -hmm. deserve it. Like you deserve everything. That's why you're the boss. You know, that's why I work for you. <laughs> uh -huh. And so again, I admire women who, who do that. And I want to just say, I know it's hard. So mm -hmm. the idea of getting up maybe an hour early is not possible perhaps right now dealing mm -hmm. with when the kids are young, but as they get older, they go to school, you start finding that time. And yeah, before you do anything, you write for that hour. You work on that project. You work on that side business. You spend that hour doing that each day. First things first, you do that. And then you do everything else. You'll gradually build whatever it is you want to build in that one hour a day. And over time, you'll say, wow, look what I accomplished. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, because my two-year-old wakes up at five. So... <laughs> How do you want me to wake up any earlier? That's not possible right now. Yeah. And it's a compromise I've had to make. And I battle with, you know, with myself, this inner conflict of wanting to be present with my kids and wanting to focus on my business and knowing that they are young and they need me and I need to be there as well. And so it's like you say, it's a season. Just to be clear, my whole audience isn't mums. It's just a large bulk of my audience. But, you yeah. know, there are a lot of single women as well who like the, you know, this kind of well-being information and dads. And I think a lot of dads listening will benefit from this because of your own personal perspective on it, for sure. Wonderful. I'd like to ask you what, what are, I mean, you've given us a few, but if we can narrow it down, what are the habits of a positive person, the daily things we need to implement? Well, definitely a gratitude walk, I think is key. I think a success of the day at night is a great idea where you go to bed every night mm. and you identify your success. What's the one great thing that happened today? Not all the things that went wrong, but what's the one great thing that you feel proud of? Every night you go to bed a success like that, you wake up a success. So when you look for the good, you start to experience and see the good. And that's the idea. Keep looking for the good at the end of the day. So that's a great habit. Also, trust is essential. So is moments of joy and fun, dancing, singing, playing, hobbies, whatever you like to do, make sure you're doing some of those. Investing in relationships and getting together with people you like and who like you. That's really important to developing a positive life is people. We were made for a relationship. We were not made to do life alone. And when we're around others who give us life, who affirm, we grow. We are nourished by people like that. So that's that's important and a big part of, of living a happy, positive life. So is taking your setbacks and every setback and turning them into opportunities, you know, for comebacks. So whatever you go through, the rejection, the failure, the adversity, knowing they're not here to define, to define you, they're here to refine you, to help you be all that you're meant to be. So your outlook and your perspective through all the stuff you're going to face is essential, knowing that you're going to face obstacles, but how do we respond? in the midst of those obstacles. That's, that's really important. 
many other ideas I can't even think of right now, but there's a positive <laughs> dog and, and, uh, you know, all, all those ideas. So I just yeah. so, celebrated my 50th birthday and congratulations. Put, put, I wrote a newsletter, a weekly positive tip. I send out every week. It's free. And I send out my 50 sort of habits and ideas for turning 50 and outlooks on an outlook on life. Amazing. I'll link your website in the show notes so everyone can sign up awesome. to that newsletter. So as you know, at the end of the show, we do a little thing called All About You, a series of quick fire questions so the guests can get to know you a little bit better. So the first one is, well-being is? Essential. What's the favorite of all the books you've written? Training Camp, What the Best Do Better Than Everyone Else, but it's a story about overcoming your fear, finding your faith to be all that you're meant to be. It's interesting that that came so quickly to you and so easily to you, because when you've written so many books, you know, you might feel really passionate about a lot of them. And yet that was. I am passionate about all of them. Yeah. People say the carpenter is my best book. The energy bus is the most popular. The recent book, the garden is having a huge impact, but training camp, which is also having a big impact is, is probably just my favorite. I remember how I felt when I wrote it and it's probably in many ways, a big part of my story of, of that character represents me of overcoming the fear, finding faith and um, striving to be great, but not great or better than others, but someone who could bring out the greatness in others. Mm. I'll have to read that one. I haven't read that one yet. I think you'll like it a lot. Yeah, I think I will. A book, not your, your own, uh, a book that's changed your life. Mm. There's been a lot. I know I find this question so hard as well. Richard Bach. Jonathan Livingston Siegel. He also wrote the book Illusions. It was a fable and it made me want to write fables. Oh, really? That was what got you into fables. Interesting. Okay. The best lesson you've learned through being a parent? Mm. Humility. And it's not about you. It's about being selfless and loving and giving to them. You're not going to receive recognition. You're not doing it for the applause. Yeah. You're, you're doing it because you love someone and you're demonstrating unconditional love. And years later, they'll recognize it. But by that time, you'll be exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't matter. It's a very good point. Okay. And lastly, who would play you in a film of your life? Wow. A who, like an actor? Yeah. I don't know. Who do you think would play me? What do you think? Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think like a strapping italian american trying to think of one now <laughs> i'm actually not even italian by blood it was my stepfather who raised me who was italian so actually you've got austrian, that accent right uh, actually austrian and um some polish some german i believe and so yeah so mostly uh, austrian my grandmother came from austria when she was two to america actually well, uh, so who would play me? Um, it's a tough one on the spot. Yeah, I, well, Tom Cruise. There you go. Absolutely. Why not? Or, Let's go all Matt, out. Or Matt Damon. <laughs> that would be a good one. I could see that. Yes. Let's go with Matt Damon. Okay. John, thank Why you not so Tom much. Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> because Matt Damon, there's kind of like a similarity there. I can definitely see it being okay. Matt Damon. All right, good. Thank you so much for being here. I've loved every second. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I, and I wish you well with your well-being and your health. Isn't it interesting that the challenge we go through in our life, the pain we deal with and the tests we go through so often becomes 
our testimony to others and what we teach to others. So like here you are teaching well-being, but you're having to live it, but it's also making you a powerful teacher to have to go through it. And yet you're helping so many in the process. So thanks for using your challenges as incredible opportunities to help others. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. This season of Reconditioned is sponsored by Block Blue Light, the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products, including blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions. Blue light blocking products aim to alleviate digital eye strain, improve sleep and optimize health through mitigating the harmful effects of artificial light from screens and modern lighting. For a 10% discount across the range, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and enter the code LAUREN10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Recondition today. I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and maybe even leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And better still, if you could share with friends and family who could benefit from the content, that's what I'd really love. I just want us to share the love so that everyone can understand how to use an integrative approach to life and health. For more free resources, visit laurenvacneen.co.uk and laurenvacneencoaching.com.